You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. After a November to remember for stocks and just about every investment asset, really, December has gotten off to a bit of a rough start for long traders, dialing back some of their bets that the Federal Reserve will cut rates as aggressively as they might have thought just a, a few weeks ago, really. We've seen some weakness in the latest economic data, but Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is keeping up his message that the central bank needs to move carefully on policy into next year. So let's talk more about this economy and the policy path from here on out. We are very pleased to be joined this morning by Mohamed El Arian, the Chief Economic Advisor at Allianz, the President of Queens College, Cambridge, and of course, columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Mohamed, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. I want to start by asking what you made of the exuberance we saw over rate cuts last month. Was it overdone? First, good morning, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Yes, I believe it was overdone. I do believe that the Fed is done raising rates, but I don't think they will validate what's currently priced in by the markets in terms of rate cuts next year. Now, we have this debate going about how long the Fed will keep rates elevated, whether it's higher for longer, high for longer. I mean, the market is pricing in 125 basis points of rate cuts next year. Does the Fed have room for that kind of easing? Not yet. Um, There's a few things that we have to keep in mind. One is the inflation dynamic. While we've had goods deflation, services remain rather hot in terms of their inflation rate. They're not disinflating fast enough. And at some point, the goods deflation will stop. So getting to 2% inflation is, the inflation target is far from automatic. Second, and we'll get more evidence this week, the labor market is still doing really well. And I suspect that the Fed would like to see some weakening in the labor market. Um, Thirdly, the markets have have already loosened financial conditions significantly. You know, Nathan, November, according to the Goldman Sachs Index of Financial Conditions, was the biggest loosening of conditions in any month since record. So there's been a tremendous loosening of financial conditions. I think if you look at those three things, they suggest the Fed will be more careful in cutting rates than what the markets expect right now. Well, let's take those three things in turn then, starting with the stickiness of services inflation. Why do you see it sticking around as much as it has? Can policy make an impact on the elevated services price pressures that we're seeing in this economy? Nathan, that's a key question and a very good one. 
the problem with falling behind on inflation, which is what has what happened to the Fed, is that you allow the inflation process to go from a few items, in this case it was energy and food, to the goods sector as a whole, and then next thing you know, it starts getting embedded in the service sector. Now, why is that a problem? Because the service sector is less sensitive to interest rate hikes. So the minute it gets embedded in the service sector, it's harder for the central bank to get to that inflation. And that's why the stickiness of the service component of inflation is something to keep on the radar screen. Hopefully, it's not going to last for a very long time. But don't forget, the outright deflation in goods is going to stop. So we do need the service sector to disinflate further. And that gets to the question about whether cracks in the labor market are what it's going to take to get inflation down to the target that the Fed has set out, 2%, because services is so tied to the labor market. What is your expectation about the data that we're going to see on the jobs market this week, uh, particularly uh, the JOLTS data today and the all-important Friday jobs report? So it's interesting that for the JOLTS data today, Bloomberg Economics expects only a marginal decline. Um, And Bloomberg Economics expects that the ratio of the unemployed to job vacancies will stay above the historical averages. So to put it into context, Bloomberg Economics expects that ratio to go from 1.5 to 1.44, and that's still above the average. You know, Nathan, your question really comes down to something that the Fed doesn't want to talk about, but increasingly others are talking about, which is, is 2% the right inflation target? If our labor market is slightly less flexible than what it used to be before, if the supply side as a whole is less flexible around the world, which it is, should we continue to insist on a 2% inflation target or should the Fed be willing to tolerate somewhere above that. Why would the Fed want to tolerate somewhere above that? Not because it wants to create inflation expectations, that won't happen, but instead because it doesn't want to unduly sacrifice the job market, unduly sacrifice growth, and unduly sacrifice aspects that are key to the equality of income and wealth. So that's going to ultimately be the big question is does the Fed insist on staying at 2% and therefore with really weakening the labor market, or is it willing to tolerate slightly higher inflation because that's the reality of of today's supply-constrained global economy? We're speaking with Mohamed El Arian, Bloomberg Opinion columnist and the chief economic advisor at Allianz. That is a big question, Mohamed, because this Fed has really hammered home the target of 2%. They've really been laser focused on that. Do you see room from some of the commentary that we're hearing from this Federal Reserve that it could be open to a higher inflation target? And what would that mean for the U.S. economy? So I don't think we'll ever hear this Fed say we are revising our inflation target from 2 to, say, 3%. That's not going to happen. They're not going to explicitly revise up the inflation target because they've missed it for so long and by so much that they will feel that that will undermine their credibility. What they may do is continue to promise us 2% in the future, but but tolerate higher, i.e. don't get to 2% very quickly. 
Now, what does that mean for the economy? I think ultimately the choice facing the Fed is the following, Nathan. Either they stick to 2% and risk tipping the economy into recession, or they tolerate slightly higher inflation. They don't push the economy into recession, and they find out that that is stable, that it doesn't unanchor inflationary expectations. My hope is that they will opt for the second option, but we will have to wait and see. Well, what could that mean, though, for market volatility? I mean, we've seen a lot of questioning in this market about whether the Fed is serious about the message that it's putting out there. If we do see this sort of rhetorical focus on a 2% target, but maybe not a realistic 2% target, what could that mean for market volatility? So first, the sorts of volatility we've seen in the fixed income market was unthinkable not so, so long ago. Um, every day, seven to 10 basis points moves, often on very little. Um, so there's something else going on in the fixed income market. What is more worrisome is the issue you've raised, which is that the Fed says things and the market totally ignored. Last Friday was a perfect example of that. Chair Powell was very clear. He said it would be premature to talk about any interest rate cuts. And he left the door open for interest rate hikes, and yet a market that had already rallied by 40 basis points in the front end on the second year, the second year, the two-year yield had come down by 40 basis points, rallied another 10 basis points. Um, and that you know, started a whole conversation yesterday about whether Chair Powell was steamrolled by the markets, whether Fed Powell was stiff-armed by the market. Um, the fact is that Fed communication is not as impactful as it used to be. Which gets to a question I've been wanting to ask you uh, all morning long. I mean, you've been very critical of Fed messaging, Fed policy in the past. You've said that the Fed waited too long to tackle inflation. How would you grade the Fed's performance now? So I think they've played major catch-up, which they needed to do. Um, so if you look at analysis and action where they had failed earlier, they have corrected that. Um, they've also paid much more attention to the supervisory role. So that is good. Communications remains poor. And again, we had examples of that over the last few weeks. So they still have a significant communication problem and they still have a credibility problem. You know, the whole point of forward guidance um, is for the markets to listen to you and for the markets to do the heavy lifting for you. What we're seeing now is forward guidance, as we saw last Friday, is, com is being completely ignored by the market. And it is really interesting to me, Nathan, that the market is taking on the Fed on a variable that the Fed controls completely. I mean, think about that. The Fed, the market is basically telling the Fed, I don't care what you think about an interest rate that you set I think you're going to do something completely different. That's quite a statement from the market to the Fed. So in our last minute, Mohammed, what would it take for the market and for you to get that credibility back from the Federal Reserve? What does the Fed need to do to regain its credibility in your view? So first, let me just say that in, 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 in terms of the outlook for 2024, I think the market should be listening more to the Fed. That's why I don't think the Fed is going to end up validating what the market is pricing in for cuts. In terms of what it takes, 
takes a couple of things. One is something that the recent G30 report on central bank stresses is for central banks to be more humble, to recognize that we live in a different world and they've got to have a much broader mindset and much greater cognitive diversity. Um, and the second thing it will take is better accountability. Um, the Fed is not as accountable as it should be. And therefore, even when it makes mist repeated mistakes, and they've made five different mistakes in the last few years, even when it makes repeated mistakes, it doesn't own those mistakes. And therefore, it raises doubt among lots of people as to whether it's learning from those mistakes. So the two things it really would take is being more open-minded, having greater cognitive diversity, and secondly, better accountability. Thank you, Mohammed. Really good to get your thoughts this morning. Mohammed El Arian, Bloomberg Opinion Columnist and Chief Economic Advisor at Allianz. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.